Our first scripture reading is from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning we join in a sermon in three movements. Walking in the light, living with the temple, and shouting on the rock. Not long ago, a number of our adults hopped in the bus and headed to Kentucky. Along the way, they stopped in Louisville. I was born and raised there. It's Louisville. It's 1.5 words or syllables, Louisville. And they went to visit Southern Baptist Seminary. I was delighted when I got a picture of them standing in the front yard of the modest house where I grew up, literally right beside the seminary campus. I would love to know, by the way, what the people who live there at that point were thinking of this bold band of Alabamians jumping out of a bus, lining up like an impressive troop, and getting a good photo for a Kentucky expat who loves now being a fellow Alabamian. When I was a little boy, it was in the basement of that house that my father had placed a large poster right outside of his office. It was a picture of a beautiful sunrise. To the side of that majestic scene were the six verses of our text this morning. Given the whirlwind of change and unknowing that we have been experiencing, these verses offer a strong word of faith and courage. We begin with walking in the light. David's psalm begins, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. Interesting that David begins with that image of light. You propel over into the New Testament, and Jesus is proclaimed as the light. At the very beginning of his gospel, John declares that the Lord of whom David was speaking sent his Son to bring his light into our broken world. John 1, 4, and 5, and 9 say, "...the Word gave life to everything that was created." And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Later in John's gospel, we hear Jesus confirm those words in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Later in his life, the same John, the beloved apostle, connected the light of Jesus with his love. 1 John 1, 2, 7, and 8, John writes, Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one. You have had it from the very beginning, this old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, 
and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. And just two verses later, John declares that the love of Jesus casts out all fear. Even later, while he was exiled on the island of Patmos, John received a powerful vision of the beautiful and powerful light that we will soak up in heaven. Revelation 21, 23 through 24 says, "...the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light." What a gift to walk in His light. And it's a gift for all of us, and it's more than just light. It's salvation that gives us life beyond this world. It's a spiritual fortress that protects us day to day. It's so much more, and it's all for us. Look at just verse 1. Just verse 1. In verse 1 of our text, David uses six personal pronouns declaring his personal faith in God's presence and protection. Look at it. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? David's faith is intensely personal, and it's that personal faith that overcomes fear. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, do what? Acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. During this time of unknowns and transitions, we can, when it gets down to it, we can do one of two things. We can worry or we can worship. We can worry or we can worship. Strangely enough, many people will find it a whole lot easier to worry than worship. Let's take the invitation to worship. Let's adore Him, trust Him, and walk in His light. Our scripture reading is Psalm 27, verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. This is the word of the Lord. Walking in the light and living with the temple. Though King David and beloved Apostle John were separated by 1,000 years or so, it's cool how their writings sync so well for our purposes this morning. David speaks of living in the house of the Lord, delighting and meditating in the temple. But do you remember the last reading from Revelation 21, 23, and 24 in the first part of our sermon? It's this, the city has no need of sun or moon, For the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light, and the nations will walk in its light. But look at the verse that precedes those words, verse 22, because it mentions the temple. 
I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Cool that David and beloved John line up so well with our first two points. I was so sorry we were not able to have our amazing youth group, and they are an amazing youth group, always have been. And this group right now is just incredible. But they were not able to lead worship this morning. They had worked so hard on the music and the sermon and really every element of the worship service, of the entire service. But we will have them lead as soon as possible. In one sense, at present, we are remote. But in the most important way, we are not. And remember that. In the most important way, we are not. There's physical distance between us, but not spiritual distance. A student of Henry Nowen was graduating from the university and going to southern Argentina for the last two years. Student hugged Henry, who was his mentor, and looked at him with grateful tears and said, from now on, no matter how far we are from each other, the ground between us will be holy ground. And tribe, just for now, just for now, it will be holy ground between us. And we are with you, you are with us, and we love you. As you know, Italy has been hit hard by the coronavirus And many people have been quarantined in their homes and in their apartments. But in a beautiful way, they have created holy ground between each other. I want to show you three brief videos that are taken from Italian streets, looking up at the balconies where persons and sometimes families have decided to celebrate life in spite of being quarantined. Two of these made me laugh. One made me tear up. The first one, musicians pulled their instruments out onto the balconies and played and sang and laughed all the way down the streets. The second one is in a street in Naples, and it made me tear up the first time I watched it as I heard the children singing their hearts out. And the last one is in the town of Turin, where scores of lovely people are doing the Marcarina. Let's watch.
as a church family, we're not in this temple together, but that can't stop us. If these lovely Italian friends can create beautiful holy ground with our love for Jesus and our love for each other, we can do that all the more because we're still the temple. We are not the building, we're not a people, we're not a family, but we're a tribe. So we can still worship together and pray together and serve each other as best we can. Now we're still in Lent. We're anticipating Holy Week. This is when we reflect upon how Jesus sacrificed Himself ultimately on the cross. And even if you've been giving up something in some way during this Lenten season, this is all the more an excellent opportunity for, to give up some time to show love and encouragement to members of our tribe, including folks you don't know well. Here are some ways you can do this. First of all, if you don't have the latest church directory, call the church and get one. They can email it to you. Again, because of that, you can, you can find people on there that you've never met, maybe have never seen, but can write them a letter, email them, text them, whatever, and give them some words of encouragement and joy. Second, sacrifice some time by writing letters, emailing, texting, like I was just saying, calling church members. Check on them, get to know them, laugh with them, encourage them, pray with them. Third, encourage neighbors as you go on walks. Wave, start a conversation a meter or more away. Do so with people you don't know. Who knows? They may not know Christ personally. Four, share encouraging or good-humored stories, videos, songs, or sermons with others who might need a boost. Five, be mindful of all of our mission partners in our mission sites whom we represent as Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. These people we have been working with, some of them for years. Pray for them and offer them encouragement however you can. Six, be mindful and prayerful of people across our world who are experiencing varying degrees of the pandemic. And seven, show even more love and patience and positive vibes with your family and loved ones in the days and weeks to come. That's just a few things you can do. And know that our leadership is being proactive in discerning the best ways to give love, peace, and grace to others in our church family. This will be primary item for the deacons tonight in their remote meeting. We are an amazing, loving, reliable, devoted, grace-giving, soul-celebrating, tribal temple. We are the tribal temple. Thanks be to God. Continuing in our reading of Psalm 27, let me read to you, and if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, 27, 5, and 6. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy singing and praising the Lord with music. Okay, I need to report that there's a conspiracy going on. My 
uh, phone is blowing up with people asking if the men who are in this sanctuary would come join me and do the Macarena. <laughs> what do you all think? Maybe next week. Uh, so the, 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 the last one says definitely needs to be the call to worship next week. Don't hold your breath. Walking in the light, living with the temple, and shouting on the rock. These final verses have always been my favorite. I love where it says, He will place me out of reach high on a rock. When I was very young and something was causing me to be afraid, I would just go outside my father's office in the basement and look at that beautiful poster with these beautiful and truthful verses. And I could feel my Lord lifting me up high on that rock. Out of this broken world's reach. And I would look down from that elevated sanctuary. And from there I could see the forest before the trees. And I could see that our God is so much bigger and so much mightier than any danger in this world any danger that the world could throw our way. And then I would hold my head up, hold it up high. And I would see what awaits us when we meet Him face to face. And when He reconciles all things and sets things aright as they already are in heaven, where will be our eternal home, eternity, Reminds me again, one of the big questions I know is on many of our minds is how long is this going to last? None of us knows. We can make educated guesses, but only our God who knows all things, He knows. But as I stand on this high rock, I recall that one great day for each of us, time and space will not be an issue at all. One great day, we will realize the true meaning of eternity. Eternity in the Bible, eternitas, means timelessness. Will it not be amazing and relieving and exquisite when we won't worry anymore about when? Worry about how long? Worry about what's next? Because next is not a matter anymore. Time is no more. All is eternal paradise, eternal pleasure, eternal joy, eternal grace, eternal love, face to face with our Lord and Savior. And then I will hold my head high. And at His sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Amen.